Hey, hey, you're listening to Rising Into Mindful Motherhood. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Wood. I'm a barefoot mama bear, pharmacist, integrative fertility health coach, and lover of all things nature and animals. I'm on a mission to have intentional conversations about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. My mindful guests and I will be talking about struggles, wins, natural wellness, and how we grow and transform as we enter motherhood. My background in healthcare has shown me how broken our medical system is. My own struggles to become pregnant has shown the lack of support for mamas-to-be, the lack of guidance for women to have a nourishing and vibrant pregnancy, the isolation, mom guilt, and all the things we hold after bringing baby Earthside. I want this platform to be a place where women can feel connected, safe and supported to share and hear their stories. A place to use our voice to discuss and advocate about what we need and deserve as mothers. So let's dive in, shall we? Hello and welcome to Rising Into Mindful Motherhood. Today I'll be talking with Elizabeth Bauer. She's an expecting boy mama, homesteader, and one of my amazing past clients with such an inspiring story. I remember when we first connected and we really just hit it off on all things natural living and making sourdough bread. And today we're going to be talking about her journey to motherhood and really the importance of advocating for yourself and your family. Pretty much in my mind, it's from fertility and beyond. Like it's it's always a continuous thing that you're going to have to be comfortable and confident doing. So welcome, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Katie. I'm so happy to be able to share this with everyone and be able to talk about my journey. Yes. Thank you so much for being open to doing that. So Let's just start with, you know, what has your fertility journey looked like for you? Absolutely. So I'm 34 years old now. And um, when I first, you know, experienced some fertility issues was back in 2013. And I went to my OBGYN and they did like the transvaginal ultrasound and all the hormone testings. And of course said everything was normal um, and just keep trying and uh, so then I met my husband in 2013 and, um, you know, fast forward nine years and we finally uh, were able to get pregnant. But prior to that, you know, we really struggled with fertility. Um, I did not want to do fertility clinics or any of those types of things because I'm so naturally minded. Um, and I tried everything. I've been on paleo diets. Um, I've done keto, I've done all sorts of different things up until, you know, meeting Katie and, uh, starting that journey. Um, and nothing really ever worked. And, you know, I had sustained an injury in 2013, um, working at a psychiatric hospital and I had a concussion, um, and that led to post-concussion syndrome and, um, an autoimmune disorder called post, I'm sorry, um, called POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, so that really debilitated me for that whole year um, where I wasn't able to move a lot because I had issues with passing out and feeling dizzy when standing and stuff like that. So I did gain 60 pounds that year. Um, and since then, I've only been able to lose 20 of those 60 pounds uh, because of, I'm assuming, hormonal imbalances. Um, and then that stemmed into 
my infertility issues and trying to get everything rebalanced. And then in 2022, I met Katie and uh, started this journey with her. Yeah, that's, that's quite the journey. And I definitely remember talking to you about like, in, in, in maybe you can kind of shed some more light on this because I, I probably won't remember completely correctly, but like your doctors just not being very supportive. I think where they may be thinking that you had PCOS or, or something like that. I'm, I'm recalling talking about with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, after my injury in 2013, my doctors for my post-concussive syndrome and the POTS, they tried putting me on all sorts of different medications. Nothing really ever worked. I continued not to be able to work um, outside the home. Like I couldn't, I couldn't live my life. Um, my husband was extremely supportive. We would, we had just started dating right after this had happened. And I didn't work for two years after that injury. Um, and when I did go back to work, my doctors were very against it. They didn't think that mm -hmm. I could do it. My husband didn't think I could do it. And I went back to work part-time. Um, and then that following year, I actually went back to full-time. And that was just through changing up my own lifestyle, figuring out what worked for me, getting off all these medications they put me on, um, and really just managing my diet and nutrition and making sure that I was getting adequate amounts of water and mm -hmm. using essential oils and really just moving towards that more natural lifestyle, which kind of led into the homesteading piece. Mm -hmm. um, and then I haven't ever had issues since then with like passing out or the dizziness that I used to experience. Um, so yeah, like I really, that really turned me off from conventional medicine quite a bit, um, to where I just felt like I was fighting against my own body by using what they were recommending, um, frequently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you must have like some level of mind body connection and intuition to kind of have that awareness around like the things that you're prescribing for me and wanting me to try like you just really described perfectly is kind of fighting against my body like your body is essentially trying to tell you something is not right and a lot of times in conventional medicine the the medication that's being prescribed is really just kind of like a band-aid it's a quick fix it's not getting to the root cause or promoting long-term healing in the long run absolutely and yeah so that definitely stems into um like i didn't see doctors regularly for the last probably five years because of that experience um, so I definitely knew that I had some hormonal imbalances. I knew that um, my blood sugars were wonky because I could feel it within my body. And so I took it upon myself to, you know, get like a glucose testing monitor and to monitor that myself and try and manage that all on my own because the system had failed me. Um, and so that led to my assumption that, you know, these hormonal imbalances could definitely be PCOS related. I was never diagnosed with PCOS because I'd never saw anyone to actually be diagnosed because again, I didn't want to be put on all sorts of medications that may or may not actually work or help. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for um, clarifying. So you were never officially diagnosed, but based on 
it sounds like you educated yourself, which I am a huge fan of doing and proponent of. And by doing that, you are able to really give yourself some insight by getting the blood glucose monitor and checking that. So, you know, I'm not saying completely to, for the listeners, like, of course, if you feel comfortable going to a doctor, go to a doctor, but just know that you also hold the power and capability to learn and educate yourself, whether it's doing your own research or working with a mentor who can kind of help guide you through it. So I'd love to talk about a little bit about our journey together and how that looked different than other things you had tried and like what the biggest shifts for you were. So I remember um, Elizabeth had actually won a free consultation with me last July. Um, So we had done that together. And, you know, based on that consultation, um, what would you say your biggest takeaways were from that? So definitely um, stress is a huge factor in my life. Uh, So Katie helped me recognize that stress can really put a huge detriment on your body and your body's ability to heal itself. Um, So that was one of the things that I took away from that is really focusing on how can I on the daily, you know, we're all going to experience stress regularly anyways, but how can I help my body manage that stress and help alleviate that? So I started doing um, meditation and prayer daily. And then the other thing was, um, you know, taking baby steps, you know, we have this ladder, if you're taking big steps on the ladder, then you're going to end up, you know, regressing eventually. But if you just take small steps slowly over time, it's easier to build up those habits and continue them. Mm -hmm. And so one of the other things that we talked about in that is how I eat my food, because I always, you know, typically ate healthy, you know, I focused on whole foods, and I don't eat a lot of processed grains or anything like that. But how you actually eat them helps your body to manage, like how your body breaks it down. So for example, if you eat your fibrous foods, like your veggies first, um, then that puts that into your body. So that way your blood sugar isn't spiking. It's breaking that down first and allowing the other foods to break down more slowly and then eating your protein um, and then your carbs after. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, even if you don't or anyone doesn't have full blown PCOS, blood sugar control is so important for anybody. Um, so then you don't ideally progress to further things. Cause I would say when you, if, and when you are officially diagnosed with PCOS, I mean, that's really your body giving you those symptoms as, as almost like a cry for help. So, um, I'm just so happy that you, you took so much from that, really that single consultation and you were able to really move your health into such a positive light. And then, um, And then we ended up working together officially. Um, Elizabeth had joined at the time my brand new Confident Conception membership. So what would you say your experience was like in that program? So I really love that. It was like a continuation of what we had already focused on in that initial meeting. And it just really was a positive experience overall. There was other women in the group that were experiencing um, other troubles as well. So it was nice having that connection with other people who are experiencing infertility issues as well. 
and just having that support from Katie constantly um, in that group, as well as all the resources we had at our fingertips to be able to understand um, like the science behind why we're experiencing some of these things and what tools we can use to help to, you know, re-regulate those hormones. And, you know, there is definitely a place for conventional medicine. Like I, I can't figure out what my labs are without, you know, going and getting blood work done or anything like that, or figuring out what's going on with my hormones. Um, and it's definitely, it has a place. Um, so definitely understanding those pieces and where I can go to get that information and things that I can just have. So that way I have the knowledge to know how to heal my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I, for me, I think knowledge is, is power. And I think a lot of times, sometimes maybe people don't feel like they're capable of being able to take charge of their health. But I love just reminding women and just anyone in general that you can empower yourself, you know, by educating yourself. And I feel like that was such a huge component of my fertility journey as well, because when I was struggling, I was literally getting nothing, like no support, no guidance, nothing. And even as a pharmacist and I went to school for six years, but there is still so much I did not know about how to support a healthy fertility. And I had to do my own research. So I think just um, empowering women, knowing that you can do that. And at the end of the day, if your provider is gaslighting you or you're feeling dismissed, or I've had clients who have told me that they have just broken down and cried after their doctor's appointment because their doctor made them feel a certain way. It's like, fire them. You know, (laughs) they work for you. You don't work for them. And I know that that can be hard for some people, depending on where you live, um, because I know providers can be limited to a sense, but just knowing that like you can even interview doctors and before you start working with them. Um, so just knowing that that's an option, but I definitely want to bring up one part and this was before you got pregnant, but it was pretty close to when you did conceive. Elizabeth had reached out to me and she had told me that she was buying baby clothes and some baby item. I can't remember if it was like a crib or something like that. So what were you how were you feeling when you were doing all of those things? Cause I remember you reaching out to me about it. Yeah, so definitely. So, I mean, I struggled for nine years uh, to get pregnant. So, and you know, Katie's program, as much as I love Katie, uh, it was another program that I didn't know if it was going to work or not. Um, and I was only a month into the confident conception plan at that point. Um, but I just felt like the energy from the group and the vibes that we were getting, we were preparing our womb. So like part of that for me felt like by buying and preparing, you know, baby clothes and things like that off of Facebook marketplace was my way of preparing my womb and telling my body that it was okay to allow this energy to enter and to be accepting and open to this possibility that it could actually happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I definitely did that. And then I also bought, um, there was like some, a play mat and things like that and a bouncer. So I bought some of those items. And at first I talked to my husband about it and he was like, well, why don't we wait? And then a month went by and I was like, I'm going to do it anyways. So I did. (laughs) And I washed all the clothes and I folded them and I put them away. And um, yeah, so definitely preparing your mindset and just allowing that energy to engage in your mind is definitely Mm. for your body to prepare. I remember I'm just like tearing up, just like listening to you talk about that. Cause I I just think it's a beautiful space to be in. And the way you described it was just so beautiful. Like just allowing that energy to come in like, Hey, yes, I'm ready to receive. Right. That's, I had made a post about like being in your empowered feminine recently. And that's, that's a big, that's exactly what you were doing. Like you were positioning yourself in this space where you're like, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for this, even though you didn't know what the outcome was going to be. But then that was really, you were, you were surrendering and you were trusting the situation as well while you were doing that. So I remember being so excited. I was like, yes, go for it. Like, like, let's get this stuff moving for sure. And then I will never forget when you messaged me. I can't remember if it was October or November. And you told me that you were pregnant. Yeah, it was November. So I had just started (laughs) tracking my basal body um, temperatures, which we worked on in the confident conception community. And um, I I didn't even have a full cycle (laughs) of tracking. And then I noticed that, you know, my temp dipped like it's supposed to, but then it kept going up. And so um, after a week of it continuing to go up and not coming back down, I had sent a screenshot to Katie and I said, is this normal? Because I had (laughs) a suspicion that um, I was pregnant, but I wanted to kind of gauge her thoughts on it. And, um, you know, she said, well, you know, we'll see as it continues if, you know, maybe you're pregnant or not. And then um, October 30th, I took my first pregnancy test and that came back negative, but I just... I had a feeling and I kind of knew in my heart that I definitely was. So November 2nd, I took the second one and that came back positive. Wow. What, please describe to me and the listeners, like, what were you feeling in your body when that happened? Yeah. So, I mean, it's my first ever positive pregnancy test. Um, So definitely it was amazing. I was so excited. Um, I was nervous at the same time. Like it's my first positive pregnancy test. Like what's going to happen from here? I'm totally not prepared for pregnancy. Um, It was a complete shock to me. Uh, I was not expecting to actually get pregnant, especially not, you know, two and a half months into the confident conception community. Um, So it was, it was very exciting. I think I took the test at like five 30 in the morning and woke my husband up and he's not a morning person. (laughs) But he was super excited too. It was just, it was amazing and just such an empowering feeling to be able to heal my body to that point where I could allow pregnancy to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a flood of so many emotions, right? Like happy, but nervous, but excited. But like, how did how did this happen so quickly? Um, I remember, I think I had tested at night And it was like the faintest line. And I was just like, okay, like I didn't even allow myself 
to like feel much because it had been we had been trying for so long and I was like okay I'm gonna test in the morning and then when that one came up positive it is just like so many different feelings coming up and almost even potentially being a little scared too like wow like this thing that you wanted for so long like it's here (laughs) Mm -hmm. so just kind of like a little tip for anyone who's listening um, if you are on your your TTC journey there is a a visualization meditation that I have for my clients but you can kind of do it on your own as well where you envision like how would you feel when you get either whether it's your positive pregnancy test or when your baby bump starts showing or maybe when you're holding your baby for the first time and really immerse yourself in that. Like, what are some of the the feelings that are going to come up for you? What are some of the smells, some of the tastes? Like, what are you seeing? What are you wearing? Where are you? And just really, really immerse yourself in that feeling. And that's, kind of similar to what Elizabeth did by buying the baby clothes. It's really um, setting out that like energetic intention into the world, into the universe, you know, letting God create or source spirit, whatever that may be for you. And just saying like, yes, like this is what I want. This is what I'm ready for. And, and just really embodying that, like embodying those feelings now instead of until this happens you know what I mean um like you're able to feel those feelings right now and feel worthy and enough because you are all of those things currently as you are so super excited when you were pregnant I I think it was a shock to both of us it was like wow oh my gosh this is happening (laughs) (laughs) I mean I had envisioned like going through the confident conception course and then maybe, you know, being pregnant by like February or March, but definitely not by November. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, your baby boy, he was ready. He was like, mom is ready for me. She's already preparing the home. Like I'm just going to swoop in right now. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about your pregnancy journey. How has that looked for you? Today's episode of Rising Into Mindful Motherhood is proudly sponsored by the Confident Conception Membership. Are you or someone you know on what feels like a never-ending journey to motherhood, facing an uphill battle of fertility challenges? I'm Dr. Katie, your podcast host, pharmacist, and integrative fertility coach with over a decade of experience. I've been where you are, and I understand the roller coaster of emotions and heartache. That's why I've created the Confident Conception Membership, a program designed to help you address the real reasons behind fertility challenges. Like my client Elizabeth, who struggled with fertility for nine years, having tried and failed other programs. She was in disbelief when just a couple of months into using my Confident Conception method, she finally got her first positive pregnancy test and welcomed her healthy baby boy this year. Using the Confident Conception Method, we combine traditional medicine and energy healing to unlock your innate and abundant fertility potential. This isn't just about putting a band-aid on to cover up the physical symptom. It's about healing the energetic and physical root causes. 
As a member, you'll receive personalized guidance, bi-weekly live coaching calls, and become a part of a supportive community of like-minded women who truly understand what you're going through. We offer flexible payment options, plus our annual members receive exclusive savings and bonuses to accelerate their path to pregnancy. Don't let another month of frustration and overwhelm pass you by. As a special offer to our listeners, you can use the promo code PODCAST10 to receive 10% off the lifetime of your membership. Secure your spot now and expedite your journey to motherhood today by visiting www.yourempoweredfertility.com slash membership to learn more and enroll. Together, we'll pave the way to your confident conception for a future filled with joy, unconditional love, and the pitter-patter of tiny feet. The link is in the show notes. Sign up today and your future self will thank you. So it's been pretty good. So um, I scheduled my first prenatal appointment, which in retrospect, I probably would have pushed out a little further, but I was excited and nervous and, you know, because we've been trying to conceive for so long. I just want to make sure everything was good and have that first appointment. So two weeks after I found out I was pregnant, I had that appointment. And the day of, I remember I took another pregnancy test right before just to make sure it was still real. Um, And it was, it was a positive test. Um, So from there, uh, they did like the first labs and things like that. And so that's when um, I did have a high glucose for that. So they had started me on insulin at that point, Um, which, you know, like I had already known that my blood sugars were elevated and I'd been trying to work on that for a couple of years. Um, so that was something, so that kind of puts you into that high risk category automatically, which kind of, you know, I don't appreciate being labeled as high risk, um, or anything, but we'll work on that continuously after pregnancy and try and, uh, work on getting those regulated without the insulin. Um, but so after that, it was just regular appointments once a month and, my pregnancy journey has been really a blessing. Um, I feel like just your mindset overall, um, when you're trying to conceive and you finally are able to, I just feel like your entire energy level is completely different. Um, and it's just so positive. And so I feel like a lot of the things that people experience throughout pregnancy maybe are a little less, um, and a little lighter for me because I'm like, I just, you know, any of those aches and pains that I felt, it was like the baby's real, he's here, he's, you know, living inside of me and um, just being able to experience that. And it's, you know, something that I didn't think I'd ever be able to experience. So it's been Mm -hmm. a really great journey. Um, Definitely not without its scares and moments and things. Um, Recently, uh, we sold our house in West Virginia and moved down to Tennessee into my parents' house at the beginning of May. And the week prior, I did a lot of packing, cleaning, moving. And so I had some swelling that flared up at like 31 weeks. And it was in like my face and my hands and my feet. And I knew that was signs of preeclampsia. So when I met with the new providers down here in Tennessee, I mentioned that to them and they just kind of brushed it off. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a concern to me that they just said it was pregnancy swelling. And then I realized that um, I had gained over 12 pounds from April 19th to May 15th. And I'm like, this is not just pregnancy swelling. 
um, like this needs to be addressed and there needs to be labs drawn. Um, so definitely advocating for yourself if you feel like something is not right. Mm -hmm. um, so they did do labs finally on the fourth visit. And all of those did come back normal, um, within normal range, but it made me have that peace of mind that, yeah. you know, like I don't have any high proteins, all of my labs are normal and yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have had women on the podcast where they were brushed off and, um, yeah, the outcome was not so good. So definitely if you you know your body best. And if you think that something needs to be investigated more or something doesn't feel right and a doctor dismisses it, then go find another doctor or just keep pushing. Because at the end of the day, like you're the one paying for that test, you and your insurance or whatever it may be like it, you know, what is it to them minus their time to order it? So I'm so glad that you pushed and and like you said even just to give you peace of mind because if you are stressing over something that may not even be what's actually going on like that's not gonna help you out either um <clears throat> so yeah no matter what stage you are even if you're still trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant or you're postpartum if something feels off or even if it's just something you want to know, like I remember when I first got pregnant, um, going by Lily Nichols Real Food for Pregnancy, she recommended all of these like basically like early pregnancy labs like vitamin D and all of that. And um, the midwife at the time that I was working with was like, oh, we don't normally test for that. And I'm like, OK, cool. Well, this is what I want. <laughs> so you are going <laughs> to test for that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or even like um, the glucola test that you have to do to test your blood sugar. I'm like, I'm not drinking that. I'm going to do a continuous glucose monitor. And again, mm -hmm. it was like, well, that's not what we normally do. And I'm like, that's cool. But like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so just having that confidence. And again, that that background knowledge, too, because if you, you know, you're not if you maybe you don't have the luxury of time for doing your research, or maybe you're just not even really sure where to start, if you don't have that knowledge of options, or like you had that knowledge of, okay, I'm swelling, um, these are signs of preeclampsia, like you know, and you knew that getting labs could potentially tell you if what's going on. But if you're just like in the dark and you're just taking your doctor's advice like at face value then something could be missed unfortunately so absolutely and i do have to say like going to the ob now i've been to two different ob practices and they both operate exactly the same if i didn't have you know the high glucoses and things like that and the high pregnancy risks then I probably would definitely do home birth if my husband was on board, but he's not quite on board with that, this pregnancy. Um, but if I had my choice, that would definitely be where I would want to give birth um, naturally. But because I have those high risk things and it's our first pregnancy and we both agreed to a hospital birth. Mm -hmm. So you do have some of those standard practice things that you have to yeah. mitigate and kind of navigate. And so that was something that throughout the pregnancy, I've had to kind of like research, like what 
I have rights to do and what I can say no to or ask for alternatives and figure out how to navigate that without, you know, making your doctors hate you. <laughs> like you're an incompliant patient. Um, so that was definitely a challenge for me. But even if you have doctors that aren't fully supportive, as long as you're educated yeah. and you know what your rights are and you know that you can ask for alternatives, it just gives you that peace of mind. I remember walking out of the doctors one time and thinking, like, if I was any other patient, I would be terrified of how this man just explained this procedure to me. And like, mm -hmm. it was um, because of the, you know, gestational diabetes, they mentioned like that later on in pregnancy, if your blood sugars are out of control, your placenta can start dying. Um, and, you know, like really, really fear-based information. And he just talked about how he's so skilled that at this point in my pregnancy, he could do a C-section and my baby would probably survive. And I'm just like, if I was anyone else and wasn't educated walking out of this office, I would be terrified mm -hmm. for my baby's life. And like that you're offering to give me a C-section today. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other piece was just outdated information about, um, so there's, there's studies, like you want to make sure you're researching studies and doing your research so that you feel comfortable. You know, you can obviously talk to other women who've been through it, but definitely doing the research yourself and making sure it's valid research, um, mm -hmm. that you're educating yourself on. So one of the things was he mentioned putting me on low dose aspirin. I was 24 weeks at this point. And, um, so I'd never really heard of low dose aspirin for preeclampsia prevention. Um, but I told him no at that time. And then I would do my research. And so I actually went home and I had asked him in that appointment, like, what are the statistics? How much is it going to improve? And he said a lot. That was all he could give me was a lot. Research shows that it decreases it by a lot. So I actually looked it up and found um, one of the main studies. It's like the NICDH or something like that. Um, and what the studies actually show is if you prescribe 150 milligrams, which is not low-dose aspirin, at earlier than 16 weeks, it can reduce your risks of preeclampsia by 67%. But after that, it's only a 10% reduction. And what he was offering me was the 81 milligram low-dose aspirin, which isn't even the recommended dosing for that protocol. Mm -hmm. so definitely like know your research. And if you're not sure at the time, it's okay to wait. It's okay to say, I want time to research that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for just sharing that story. Cause I remember you telling me about that appointment and just how, I mean, it almost like, like you said, very fear based things is what he shared with you versus like, Hey, this is what you can do. Like here are some action steps that you can take to you know, prevent it or decrease, I mean, outside of the baby aspirin recommendation, but, you know, where is the, I don't know, empowered action steps that he could have given you or anything like that? Like, I know, um, I remember reading from the Mama Natural, like, week by week guide, to her talking about, like, for, like, increasing protein intake and things like that. And I think Real Food for Pregnancy, like, doing that um, 
And maybe that's something you also have to start like earlier in pregnancy can decrease your chances of preeclampsia, like making sure that you're getting enough protein. And I maybe even, well, I don't don't know if this is right, so I'm not going to say it. Um, My memory might not be serving me right on the other thing I was going to say, but yeah, just, and like you said, if they tell you something at your appointment and you don't know about it, you can go home and research it. Like you do not have to be like, okay, I'll start this right this second. Um, I have a coworker who's pregnant right now. And for other reasons, they are recommending that she take baby aspirin. She's like 12 weeks right now, Um, not for preeclampsia, but for something else. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and research that and like see you know, you got to weigh out the pros and cons, the benefits and the risks. Um, And another thing I wanted to kind of touch on is you, you know, you mentioned earlier, you had the high risk pregnancy label. And I know that that wasn't something that really sit well with you. Um, And like you had mentioned later on, it is, you know, because of that, label, you do kind of have to maybe jump through some other hoops. But I will say, though, like, you did not let that label, like, stop you. You know, I I know that you were like, yeah, I have this, you know, they're labeling me as this, but you put in the time and energy and you have literally done everything you possibly could to naturally support your pregnancy because you you knew that like this doesn't necessarily have to be the end all be all it's not so black and white there can be a little bit of like fluidity in the things that I like can or cannot do so I just want to you know mention that because I I'm I'm proud of you for doing that because I think some women would have that label and then just be like shut down. Like I'm high risk. This is what it is. I have to do what they say. Um, I have no other choice, you know? So I just want to applaud you for making intentional decisions all throughout your pregnancy. Absolutely. And I think the only thing that helped me to be empowered to do that was doing my research and having the actual statistics, you know, they talk about with the diabetes and stuff, like the rate of stillborn increases. And I don't remember the exact percentages, but so the recommendation by ACOG, which is what most obstetricians go by is um, Mm -hmm. that anyone with gestational diabetes be induced by 39 weeks Mm -hmm. because after 39 weeks, that stillborn rate goes up. But if you ask any OB what that increases, I guarantee 90% of them won't have an answer for you. They'll just say it increases a lot. But I think that the actual increase was only by like 0.03%. So it's not, it's not like a, you know, your baby is going to be stillborn by 50% increase if you wait until you actually have spontaneous labor. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just having that education and then making that decision based on how you feel like intuitively. Um, Because I think that's important too. Like, at the end of pregnancy also they recommend that you do starting at 32 weeks nst testing so non-stress tests 
twice a week if you have the gestational diabetes. Um, and that is something that I've also went against because I don't, I really wanted to do minimal um, testing at all with uh, any of the Dopplers or ultrasounds throughout my pregnancy, but I've kind of, you know, went with the flow on some of those things because I do understand that there are risks yeah. and for the safety of my baby and me, like, I think that it's important that you can adapt to some of those things as your pregnancy progresses and some of these things come up. You have to be willing to kind of change that birth plan a little um, to adapt to the situation. And so, you know, the recommendation is twice weekly. And the reason that they do that is because it helps them to identify if you're having risks of stillborn quicker. Mm. But, um, you know, some of those like identifying factors are if you notice decreased fetal movement, I can tell if my baby is not moving regularly on a regular basis without having to be hooked up to a Doppler or an ultrasound. I don't need a Doppler or an ultrasound to tell me that my baby is moving normal. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I felt comfortable intuitively myself to identify. And so I do do the NST testing once weekly, which actually I just do the um, biophysical because Matthew doesn't like the Dopplers. He moved <laughs> away from them. Um, so it's just not worth my time to sit there for 30 minutes and then have to do the ultrasound anyways. And I'd rather have the ultrasound personally than the Doppler. So that was just one of those things that I, you know, educated myself on. And then I made that informed decision based on the risks and what the risks it's mitigating. Basically, it decreases the risk of stillborn death. And what that does is basically, if they're, it's showing like a non-reactive test, it allows them the opportunity to do further testing to identify if your baby is declining so that they can, you know, immediately um, deliver the baby if that's the chance. And then they have the time to resuscitate. Mm-hmm. I think that you said that so beautifully, like, you know, informed decision, which with that, you need to have that background education that you either found yourself or with a mentor um and then intuitively feeling into it like we we are so smart our bodies are so smart and but we live in this busy crazy chaotic world where a lot of our intuitive nudges or pulls or whatever you want to call it there's you can't even hear them they're so silenced um So really being, that's why I love teaching the mind-body connection in the fertility phase, because then you can take that. Once you have that, that's going to serve you for the rest of your life. It's going to serve you while you're pregnant. It's going to help you for your birth plan and during your birth. It's going to help you when you have a newborn baby and they want to do all these things right after they come out, you know, like it's, it's going to serve you for so many things. And yeah, like for me personally, I really tuned into my body and that was how I decided to do the home birth because like in my mind, I was just envisioning like being in a hospital and I could feel my body closing up, shutting down, feeling very constricted. And, and that's one reason why I decided to do the home birth. But I did so much research. Like when I interviewed my home birth midwife, I had 
three pages of questions. I am not exaggerating. <laughs> three pages. I asked her every single one. It was probably like an hour and a half consultation, but I felt so like secure in my decision because she was able to answer every single question. So I felt informed and fully capable of deciding like this is what is best for me and my baby. And and that goes for so many different things. Um, So I'd love to touch on your birth plan. Like what is your ideal birth plan for yourself? I know a home birth would be your, you know, ideal, ideal, but given, you know, having to do it in the hospital, like what are some things that you are wanting and hoping for? Absolutely. So, um, I mean, my doctors are already pushing and mentioning, you know, giving birth by 39 weeks, but that's just a recommendation. And again, if you're, if you've done the research, you know, the risks, you know, the alternatives, you can make that informed decision to kind of listen to your body and see how things are going at that point. Um, so my birth plan has changed from, you know, uh, I still want a natural vaginal birth with no medication. So I do not want to be induced. Um, unless, you know, something medically necessary comes up and the baby's at risk or I'm at risk of something. And there again, like I have, you know, a little booklet that I'm going to take to the labor room with me. Um, so that way I can make that informed decision right then and there and have those resources and say, well, let's try, you know, changing positions because that's what's recommended. And then we'll see where we're at. Um, but so no induction, no pain meds. I've done a lot of um, preparation for that. So mindful meditation. Um, I've done some hypnobirthing, which is, you know, really focusing on breathing and bringing your mind and focus back to that space and being able to breathe through your contractions, remembering that, you know, it's only 60 seconds and then you get a few minute break in between. Um, anyone can do anything for 60 seconds um, and just really being in that space. And so the other thing that I want to do is labor at home as long as possible to prevent medical interventions. Mm-hmm. Um, so my plan is no membrane sweeps, um, no rupturing of my water membranes, um, no induction, no pain meds, and to birth naturally in a nice dim lighted calm space I did hire a doula Mm -hmm. uh, which I feel like is something that I absolutely needed because I definitely am that mind space type person and I need those positive affirmations and I love my husband but he just is not (laughs) that emotional person that can give me those items and I want it to be a good positive birth for him too um and it's our first baby and he just, he doesn't know how to support me. And so having that doula will help create that mm-hmm. positive space. She can help him to help me. Um, and just also be that person that when things happen, because they're going to have things that happen and maybe the heart rate drops on the baby, or maybe my heart rate starts dropping or my blood pressure starts spiking. And she'll be able to give me those alternatives that in the moment, I may not be thinking of because, you know, contractions and labor. Mm -hmm. Um, So that way I can have that clear mind space to really focus on that natural delivery. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. I think a doula is so key. Um, 
no matter what type of birth you're wanting. Um, but especially I would say in your situation, definitely the perfect time to have a doula because you, you already know that they're going to be really quick to try to push things on you because of the quote unquote high risk label. Um, and, and you're totally right. Like once, once you're in labor, labor, like no matter how much research you did, like your mind might, may not be able to like bring up all of those <laughs> options or whatever. And, and with doulas, you know, especially if you, you hire a doula with a lot of experience, like they're just going to be able to be, to totally ground you in and give you your best options and really help you make the best informed decision moving forward. Because when you're in labor, sometimes things can happen really, really quickly. And um, I can't really speak from experience, but I I know that um, in hospitals, sometimes they can really put the pressure on you to make a decision very quickly and rashly. So I'm so happy that you have a doula there to support you. Definitely. And like all doulas are not created equally. So some of the things that um, some doulas do, but others don't is um, my doula does a prenatal visit. So she comes, she makes sure that everything's set up, that I feel comfortable and confident. Um, She helped me set up my stroller. She made sure, which I'm a checklist person. So I pretty much had like all my stuff checked off, but it felt good knowing that she was like, it looks like you're pretty set up. That was definitely like a weight off my shoulders that I felt like I was in a good place and ready for labor. But the other thing is, is some doulas will only meet you at the hospital um, when you're in labor and some will come to your home so you can labor at home with them um, when you're ready. Like, so if you're in early labor and, you know, just kind of at that stage, I wouldn't recommend calling them then. I'd wait until you're more um, advanced, closer to the active labor stage um, and then calling them. But definitely those are some questions you'll want to ask if you're thinking about hiring a doula is, you know, do they provide in-home support and then go to the hospital or is it just in-hospital support? And then how long do they stay after the birth? Do they stay for an hour or do they leave immediately after? Do they provide any postpartum care Mm-hmm. after those are all great things to ask yeah absolutely mine she definitely came to the house she came I think I had two postpartum visits she was also um like a lactation counselor as well so she helped with the breastfeeding so yeah definitely interviewing your doula you can find questions online to interview them um lots of like prenatal books come with questions to ask too but yeah, like you, you're really building out like your birth team. So you want to make sure that it feels aligned and and that they are, they feel like the type of person who's really going to be able to show up and support you in the way that you want, but also need. So I, I love that for you. I'm so glad that you were able to find someone. So do you have any, anything else you want to share or any final thoughts with the listeners? I think just um, it's a lot of information to take in when you get pregnant. There's so, so many resources and so much that runs through your mind and just listen to your body, listen to your intuition. Um, You know, when you go to those doctor's appointments, if you're going for like a standard OB care and you don't have the opportunity for a midwife and home birth experience where it's more naturally based, 
don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to ask for time to research it afterwards. They use a brain acronym. So it's, um, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is the benefits of what they're offering? What are the risks? What are the alternatives? Listen to your intuition. And then the N stands for do nothing. So, you know, wait on it and see. So for example, yesterday I had um, my growth scan and that's pretty common to have it 36 weeks for anyone that has gestational diabetes, just to see where your baby at, is at size wise. Um, Cause they worry about like the macrosomia and um, shoulder dysplasia. And I could go into lots of details about that and, <laughs> and the evidence-based birth information on that. Um, but so with that, you know, he talked about because my baby was transverse yesterday during the appointment, but he's been head down the whole time. Um, and I've been doing Webster chiropractic. So I have no fears about him changing position by then. Um, but so he, he was actually a really good OB that I saw yesterday. And he talked about, you know, the different alternatives that I have. And he gave me all the options with the benefits and risks of each, um, which is what you want. That's what you want in a healthcare provider is that they're not just going to tell you what they recommend. And that's it. That's, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. um, so don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to say, you know, can I go home and think about this and come back to you and let you know what I decide? Um, do, do your own research and have the knowledge and feel com confident and comfortable in what you're deciding to do. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and just sharing your beautiful story and your passion for really just educating yourself and advocating for yourself because I know that that's very important to you it's very important to me so thank you for just you know echoing all of those things and I'm sure that there's going to be so many people that listen to this that are going to shift something along their journey absolutely thank you Katie for inviting me to work on this with you thank you so much for tuning in to the rising into mindful motherhood podcast if this episode resonated with you or gave you an aha moment, stop what you're doing right now and write a review. This simple act of kindness helps me get this podcast out to connect with as many women as I possibly can. I also have a special offer. If you send me a screenshot of your review, I will take $250 off one of my premium coaching containers. Let me know what resonated with you the most and why. So connect with me and my free Facebook community or tag me on Instagram. You'll find both listed below. Thanks again from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to this episode and I'll see you next time.